0: Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. That's a common idea within our world. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. We use this to usually to express some form of skepticism or doubt. Like if someone tells me that the University of Louisville will win a football championship, I would say I'll believe it when I see it. Not happening after yesterday, is it? Our world is full of skepticism and doubt. We wear our doubt like a badge of honor. We watch the news, read a book, listen to a teacher, even come to church skeptical. If seeing is believing, then many of us will only believe it when we see it, but that has some pretty obvious implications for us as Christians, because we worship an invisible God, and none of us have seen the resurrected Jesus. So if seeing is believing, we are in trouble. But if, you, but if you think about it, if you really think about it, all of us here believe in things that we have never seen. That's just true. You believe in electricity. You have never seen electricity, But you believe in it. You believe in the wind. You can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. But you can't see it. Just because you can't see something. Doesn't mean it's not real. Which brings us to our passage today. We are not going to see something. In our passage. But we are going to be called to believe in it. Because it is incredibly real. This is Mark 15 Verse 40, we're going to go through chapter 16, verse 8. This is the last sermon in the Gospel of Mark. We started Mark in late January, and now here we are today finishing it. Uh, The main idea of the passage, Jesus is alive. Will you believe and follow him? Jesus is alive. Will you believe and follow him? I would invite you to stand in honor of God's word as we read it together. Kibe will come forward to read it in Swahili, and then we'll read it in English. If you're using the Bible in front of you, it's on page 801.
1: 801. Tutasoma injili ya Marko kumalizia na niko nasema, walikuwa pia wanawake waliotazama kwa mbali miongoni mwao akiwa Maria Magdalena Salome na Maria mama, mama wa kina yakobo mdogo wa yose hawa walimfuata Yesu alipokuwa galilaya na kumtumikia. kulikuwa na mwanamke wanawake wengine wengi waliokuja Yerusalemu pamoja naye wakati wa jioni ulikuwa umekwisha fika yo ilikuwa siku ya maandalio yaani siku inayotangulia sabato Apo akaja Yosefu mwenyeji arimataya mjumbe wa baraza kuu aliyeshimika sana Yeye pia alikuwa annatazamia kuja kwa ufalme wa Mungu basi ellimmendea Pilato bila woga akahomba apevo mwili wa Yesu Pilato alishangaa kusikia kwamba Yesu alikuwa amekwisha kufa Basi akamuita jamadari akamuuliza kama Yesu alikuwa amekufa kitamu. Pilato alipoarifiwa na huyu jemadari kwamba Yesu alikuwa amekwisha kufa kamruhusu Yosefu kuuchukua mwili wake Hapo Yosefu, akanunua sanda ya kitani, haka chini huo mwili, sanda, katika kaburi lililokuwa kuwa, mwambani. Kisha, haka viringisha kubwa mbele ya mlango. Nao, Mariam Magdalena na Mariam Mama yake yose, walipa, walipahona hapo alipolazwa. lazwa. Kuminasita. Bahada ya siku ya sabato Maria Magdalena na Salome na mama na Maria mama yake yakobo walinunua manukato ili wakaupake mwili wa Yesu. Basi alfajiri na mapema siku ya Jumapili walifika kaburini jua llipohanza kuchomoza. nao wakawa wanaambiana, nani ataka ituondolea lile jiwe mlangoni makaburi. Lakini walipotazama waliona jiwe limekwisha ondolewa, nalo lilikuwa kubwa mno. Walipo injia kaburini, walimuona kijana mmoja alie Vazi jehupe, ameketi kupande wakulia, wakashangaa sana. Lakini huyo kijana akawambia, msishangaye, na mtafuta yesu wa nazareti aliyesulubiwa amefufuka hayumo hapa. Daza mahali walipo wamemlaza wame mlaza. Nendeni mkawambia wanafunzi wake pamoja na petro ya kwamba anawatangulieni kule galilaya huko mtamuona kama alivi waambieni. Basi, wakatoka pale mbiyo, mahana walitetemeka kwa hofu na kushangaa. Hawa mtu yeyote kitu, kwa sababu waliogopa mno. Amen. Amen. Now in English, Mark 15,
0: verse 40. This is God's word. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of, of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. again lord we do pray that you would help us see in the resurrected life of jesus our hope that it would fill us with joy but we we also pray that you'd help us see in Jesus' resurrection a call to action call to be a disciple of Jesus? Would you help each one of us think about the claims of Jesus throughout the Gospel of Mark? Think about the claim that he's alive. And as we process that, would you give us a great commitment to follow him no matter what? We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so some housekeeping before we get into the sermon proper. Some of y'all might be thinking, this is the last sermon in Mark, and we aren't finishing Mark. What is this preacher doing? Well, we've got to talk about it. So I'll, I'll talk about it quickly. You will see in your Bible, depending on the version, maybe a footnote or brackets around verses 9 through 20. And then either in that footnote or maybe in a note above verses 9 through 20, it will say some of the earliest manuscripts do not include verses 9 through 20. So what is going on here? Well, basically it is disputed whether Mark ends at verse 8 or verse 20. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I believe Mark ends at verse 8. I'll tell you why. There's really two reasons. The first is exactly what, the, what that note says. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include the longer ending of Mark. Uh, to be more exact, two of the earliest, like in the 300s, and best manuscripts we have don't have verses 9 through 20. Not only that, but it's, it's clear they're, they're not related to one another. I could tell you why, but it's not interesting here. In other words, they're from an even even earlier manuscript. So the very earliest evidence we have in Greek, the language of the New Testament, is that the longer ending of Mark was added later. Second reason is this principle that the hardest reading, the most difficult reading, typically is the most likely reading. Let me explain that. Uh, In other words, back in the day the New Testament had to be copied by hand by a bunch of scribes. So that's how we have the New Testament today. People would copy the New Testament and then they would copy it again and then they would copy it again. And that took place over hundreds of years. At some point, one of two things happened. Either one, a scribe looked at verses 9 through 20, which was original to Mark, and said, I don't like those verses. I'm going to take them out. And that just like, happened, or a scribe saw that Mark ended at verse 8, and he thought to himself, that doesn't seem right. There's got to be something more to that, and I'm going to add it in. Logically, it's way more likely that a, that a scribe saw the ending at Mark and thought, I must be missing something here, and he found some historical writing. He didn't make it up, he didn't just come up with it on the fly, but he found some other historical writing, and he added that in. He said to himself, that sounds like Mark. That wraps it up nicely. Why? Because the shorter ending of Mark is abrupt, and we'll talk about that. It's, it ends in this almost dissatisfying way. So the most likely, the, what I believe has happened, was that Mark wrote his gospel, and he ended it at verse 8. And that was it. And then later on, someone added verses 9 through 20. That's the gist of it. If you want more information on that, I could tell you more. But that I'm going to stop there. That is why we're not looking at verses 9 through 20. Because I, I don't think it was originally there. Therefore, I don't think the Holy Spirit inspired it through the writing of Mark. Okay? Housekeeping over. Let's get into this text in Mark. The main point is Jesus is alive. Will you believe and follow him? We're going to see four parts of the story in this last text in Mark. The first part, concern in the face of death. Concern in the face of death. Jesus is dead. He's hanging on the cross, he was all alone. Judas has betrayed him. Peter has denied him. All the disciples have abandoned him. He had no one. Except there were some of his disciples there that Mark mentions. He tells us about three women. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, and of James the Younger. So That's one woman, two sons. And Salome, three women that watch Jesus die from a distance. In fact, they see everything that happens in this final text of Mark. They see his death, they see his burial, and in a way, they see his resurrection. Notice that they're all like, that's the most important parts of the Bible Jesus' death, his burial his resurrection, and who are the witnesses that God has chosen to see these things and to testify to them? Women. That's interesting, isn't it? These women alone have stayed to the end. These women alone have seen the glory of Jesus and are committed enough to him to watch, to watch him die. So far in the Gospel of Mark, women have been kind of minor characters. There's been a bunch of women. Peter's mother-in-law was healed of a fever. The hemorrhaging woman that had the bleeding for 12 years, uh, she was healed. Uh, we could keep going. The woman that anointed Jesus' feet. But these are, these are people that are there for like one scene, one story, and then they're, they're gone. But Mark says about these women, That they followed him the whole time. That when he was in Galilee, they were there. And they ministered to him and they supported him. They followed him. And also, not just these women, but there are many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. A question you got to ask yourself is where are the men here? Like, where where is Peter and James and John? Why are they not watching Jesus die? Where is the male disciple of Jesus that is concerned by the death of his Lord? Nowhere to be found. But these women, these women are there. They are ever-present throughout the entire text. They are grieved by the death of Jesus. They may be unexpected witnesses to the death of Jesus, but they are the witnesses that God has chosen for Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. If anybody says to you that Christianity is anti-women, they just simply have not understood the Bible. Here we have, in one of the most important moments, in all of the Bible, an all-female cast, no men to be found. The question for these women, and and really the question for us, is will they remain faithful to Jesus even in the face of calamity? For these women, it was Jesus' death. Nothing could be more calamitous. They were concerned, and now they are dismayed. Will you continue to follow Jesus when when everything seems to go wrong? So we have concern in the face of death. We also have courage in the face of suffering. That evening, Friday evening, a new man enters the story. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. He was a respected member of the council. Here was a member of what was called the Sanhedrin, which was the council of the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. This is the same council that condemned Jesus to death. If you remember, that that group met in the middle of the night, so most likely the, the full council didn't meet. It was a selected group, and Joseph most likely wasn't there, but maybe he was. was, We don't know. We know from Matthew's gospel that Joseph was called a disciple of Jesus. Mark says he was looking. He was looking for the kingdom of God. In other words, here is a noble man, a good man, who at the very least is intrigued by Jesus. He hoped that Jesus would usher in the kingdom, but then he died. And out of respect, and maybe this, like, deflated hope, he, t- he takes courage, and he goes to ask Pilate, the man who sent Jesus to his death, for the body of Jesus. How could you imagine doing that? Joseph doesn't know that Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Joseph is simply sad and disappointed but he still loves Jesus. Here he has been hit with this great suffering that his hope, the one hope he sees in life is dead. And he goes to the man who killed him and he asks for Jesus's body. It takes amazing courage. Notice that Mark just kind of slows the story down here. Mark is the fastest storyteller in certainly of the four gospel writers, but he slows down around this conversation. He wants wants us to see that there are real people involved here, people that really existed in history, people that had real emotions. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. But nobody else was. The centurion had watched Jesus die. The women had watched Jesus die. Joseph must have at least known That Jesus had died. Every person here knows that Jesus Christ has died. But but Pilate is surprised. Many people watched Jesus die with their own eyes. And they were were grieved. They were sad. So Joseph gets permission to bury Jesus. And he goes out and he buys a linen shroud. He takes Jesus' body off the cross. I mean, think about that moment. What that must have been like. We don't think about this very much. We think about Jesus' death. We think about Jesus' resurrection. Certainly crucial. But think what it must have been like to be Joseph of Arimathea. You walk up to the cross and you see Jesus' body just hanging there without any life. And he takes it down. It would have been heartbreaking. He wraps the body in a linen shroud. He puts the body in a tomb cutting the rock he rolls a rock in front of the tomb and he seals Jesus' body from the outside world it's a weighty moment you can imagine Joseph's grief the women's grief Jesus' death is heavy It would have caused deep grief in the lives of of these women and of this one courageous man. Yeah, we have to remember, if we just pause here, Jesus predicted this. Jesus told them this was going to happen. He told his disciples that he would die. He knew exactly how he was going to die. The cross was not a surprise to Jesus. Frankly, Jesus knew that he had to die because our sin is so deadly. Ultimately, it was our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Our sin, my sin, and your sin. Or to put it more precisely, Jesus went to the cross purposefully in order to pay for our sin. For our deadly sin. But kind of the lingering question here. Jesus' body in the cross. We know why he did it. It was a ransom payment. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give up his life as a ransom for many. We know that's true. We know why Jesus died. But the question is, did it work? Was the payment accepted? Do the sinners get to go free? Well, what do we see? We see the third part of our story. Curiosity in the face of an open tomb. Curiosity in the face of an open tomb. When the Sabbath passed, which is Saturday... Jesus' body still lying in the tomb, the same three women get up early on Sunday morning. They've bought spices in order to go anoint Jesus' body, which at first glance is a wonderful act of devotion to Jesus. To their, to their knowledge, Jesus' body had not yet been anointed. This was the typical Jewish practice of just surrounding A body with a bunch of spices so that it wouldn't stink so much. So that the decomposition would not be so overwhelming. The spices would have been expensive. So this is a a costly act of devotion. It's an expensive act of devotion. It's a beautiful act of devotion. Again, you still have to wonder where the men are. Peter, James, John, the three men in Jesus' inner circle are nowhere to be found, but here are these three women. And they are going to take care of Jesus, even in his death. So early Sunday morning, when the sun had risen, they go to the tomb. And they're saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Again, they don't have any guys there. Who's going who's gonna to shove this stone away? But notice they are also assuming that the tomb would be shut, that the entrance would be closed, that Jesus would be dead. Let's just think about the spices a little bit more. Like The women are assuming that Jesus' body would be in the tomb, that it needed to be anointed, Not to be crass, but they are assuming that Jesus' body was going to decompose. Else you have no need of the spices. The disciples, no disciple, not even the most faithful ones, are expecting a bodily resurrection of Jesus. And you kind of have to ask yourself, why? Didn't Jesus tell them? He told them three times I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And after three days, I will rise from the dead. He couldn't have been more clear. I mean, the whole resurrection piece there seems like this really important detail that people would have keyed in on. How could they miss that? Ultimately, the resurrection of Jesus to us can still seem almost categorically inconceivable, it can still seem wild. That a dead man rose from the grave. Nobody in the story is expecting it. Even when they were told to expect it. Even the most faithful. The ones that loved him the most. Were caught completely by surprise. There is in the human heart. Just doubt. And skepticism. That just lives there and it stays there and you've got to fight against it daily hourly you have to fight your doubt if these women who risked their own lives in order to watch Jesus die in order to watch Jesus be buried in order to prepare his body for burial If these women would doubt the resurrection of Jesus, man, we we can too. But let's cultivate in our lives lives of faith, lives of believing the words of God, believing the words of Jesus. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the women go to the tomb, and the stone is not in front of the tomb, which is weird. Mark is sure to tell us that the the stone is very large. like He includes that detail in there. Basically saying, like, there is no way the wind blew it aside. There is no way that someone, like, accidentally touched it and it rolled away. No, someone pushed it to the side you can imagine the reaction of the women who's gone to visit jesus they get curious maybe even a little fearful and then they they walk in they enter the tomb still expecting to see Jesus' body but it's not there instead there's this mark calls him a young man sitting on the side of the tomb. Dressed in a white robe. And Mark says. They are alarmed. Who's this man wearing all white? You can imagine the questions. Racing through the women's minds. Who's this guy? And he says. Do not be alarmed. He doesn't, he doesn't say who he is. The other gospels say he's an angel. He's an angel. But he doesn't tell them. He says do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified he is risen he is not here see the place where they laid his head in other words look no body there this young man this curious weird messenger from god an angel of the lord sitting in an open tomb has told them the truth jesus is alive he was dead but now he is alive how did the woman react? It's the fourth part of our story. Confusion in the face of an abrupt ending. Confusion in the face of an abrupt ending. The young man keeps speaking. He says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There will, you will see him just as he told you. Indeed, Jesus had told them. Mark 14, verse 28, after I'm raised up, (laughs) he just includes that detail. After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. This isn't new information from the angel. He's just reminding them of what Jesus said. Notice, Notice what he said. Tell his disciples and Peter, and Peter. We know about Peter. Peter, when Jesus was on trial, denied that he knew Jesus three times. This angel singles out Peter. Amazingly, after he's denied Jesus, he is included with the disciples. Imagine how he felt. Certainly a little singled out. But also there's such grace that statement, go tell Peter to go to Galilee and to meet Jesus. There they will meet and be together again. If you're here and you're struggling with sin, or if you're here and you're not following Jesus, maybe you did, but now you're not, just one thing you can learn from this text, it is never, ever too late to follow Jesus. It's Not too late for Peter, who, while Jesus was being sent to his death, said, I don't even know that guy. He said it three times. If it's not too late for Peter, it's not too late for you. You can follow Jesus right now. The grace from this angel, and by extension from Jesus, overwhelmed the sin of Peter to the point where he was used by God. To help start the church. So not only can God forgive you, but he can use you. It's not too late. And then, the women are given a mission from the young man. Go, find the disciples, and tell them that Jesus is alive. So what do they do? What does Mark say, say they do? It says, they went out of the tomb and they fled, and because trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And then, like I said, the gospel's done. The book's over. Mark stops writing. What's going on there? Uh, the women are confused at what they had just seen. They, they saw what they were not expecting to see. The scribes who were charged with creating copies of Mark were confused at this ending as well. And they later added a longer ending. And you might be confused. Why is the ending to the gospel of Mark so abrupt, so weird? Let me try to explain. The resurrection of Jesus Christ presents a dilemma to every single person who has ever lived. I'll say it again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ presents a a dilemma to every person who has ever lived. Will you believe, or will you not believe? If he remained in the grave, it would be perfectly reasonable not to believe. But if he is alive, then you must believe. But here's the thing. We don't get to see it, do we? Like none of us have seen Jesus, have touched Jesus, have given Jesus a hug, have watched him walk on the earth, have watched him speak. Other people have, but we have not. Mark knows this. Mark knows this. Think about Mark 1 verse 1. Remember what it says? This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how he he describes his book. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What's the implication there? The good news has not stopped. Mark tells a story of Jesus walking from Galilee to Jerusalem. And he tells a story of people wrestling with who Jesus was with his identity, with his power, with his authority, and ultimately with his mission. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? We learn he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the king of all the earth, who has come to die for his people so that they might be forgiven of their sin. That's the message of Mark. That's the beginning of the good news. But the invitation of the good news is that you would believe in this resurrected Jesus. You would follow him. And like the women, you would go and tell everyone that he is alive. A question for us is, are you tempted to be afraid like these women? Are you tempted to be quiet? Are you tempted to believe, but not to say anything? According to Mark, that's really not an option because we know that eventually the women had to say something because here we are. Here we are. The gospel has been proclaimed, people have believed. And then it kept being proclaimed, and people kept believing. The path of following Jesus has always been paved through the path of proclamation, of opening your mouth and telling other people that Jesus is alive. It's okay to be afraid. These women were afraid, but eventually we must get over our fear and we must tell others, So what about you? Will you follow Jesus on the journey of discipleship? That's the question Mark ends you, ends with. If you do, you will, forg- you will find forgiveness of sin and eternal life and satisfaction for your soul and joy. To know Jesus to become one of his disciples is what you have been made for. You will never regret following Jesus. Like, never. You do not need to see him. Seeing is not believing. Ultimately, we believe, according to the Bible, through hearing. What does Paul say in Romans 10? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So now I say you all have heard and may all the world hear that Jesus has died for the sins of his people and that he is now alive and that all who repent and would believe in him would have everlasting life. This is the story of Mark. This is the story of the gospel. Will you follow Jesus? You do not need to see him. You have heard about him. Will you follow him? We've seen so much in the gospel of Mark. We've seen Jesus' glory, his power, his authority, and his amazing love. It's been a great book. One church in Arizona, after their pastor preached through Mark, wrote the lyrics to a song called, Who is this man? I'll end with this, these lyrics. It goes like this. Who is this man come to die? Beloved son from on high. God and man to make us one, king and a kingdom come. Who is this man on the way? Power and love on display. Cleansing, healing every stain, washing our guilt away. Who is this man hanging there? On a tree, our shame to bear. For our sin, for his prize, the Lamb of God had died. Who is this man, risen high, once dead, now very alive? Empty tomb, filled with light. This man is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for... gospel of Jesus Christ I thank you for Jesus I thank you that you have invited us to follow Jesus you've invited us to follow him to know him to obey him to worship him father I pray for those here I pray for our church that we would be more committed to Jesus today than we ever have been. That there would be nothing that Jesus could ask of us that we would deny him. That we would see in the resurrection of Jesus, or maybe even better, that we would hear in the resurrection of Jesus a call for us to come and die and to follow after Jesus. I pray for those here who do not know Jesus. The resurrection has presented them with a dilemma. Will they deny that Jesus is alive? And will they deny Jesus? Or, Lord, will they believe? Will they hear and repent and believe and follow him? Lord, I pray that you would save people even today from their sin. And Lord, I pray for those of us here who do know Jesus. May we not be like the women initially were, terrified at what we are being called to do. But may we have courage to open our mouth and to tell others of this good news. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, to end Mark, let me issue you one last call to a response. Jesus is alive. He's alive. And the invitation for you is to follow him. Whatever that looks like for you. You have the great joy of following Jesus. For some of you here, you may not have followed him before. Ever. Oh, it would be such a great privilege to talk to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For some of you here, you've been holding on to maybe a sin or a pattern of disobedience or failing to obey the Lord in some way. Just think about this. If Jesus was in the dead, was in the grave, that would be perfectly reasonable behavior. But because Jesus is alive, the king of the whole world reigning, it is the reasonable behavior to follow him, to obey him. I would love to talk to you about that. I'll be standing here in front. I'd love to talk to you about any of these things. But for all of us, let's stand and sing and worship our Lord. Let's stand.